Hear ye the word of the Lord. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you are with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself and put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished your eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. God's word for God's people and God's people said, amen. Amen. I want to talk a little bit about matchmaking for success. Uh, matchmaking for success. Um, I've heard this text preached often and it's often preached from a standpoint of of a love story and uh, how to hook up uh, the right person with the other right person and I do see a lot in this passage when you read it that can lend to some matchmaking, some hooking up, some dating of, of sorts but I also see some things in the text that apply to life outside of dating uh, I see some kernels of success if you will for our everyday lives. Uh, the courtship of Ruth and Boaz sounds strange to most of us living in the United States, but it's not that strange to uh, people around other parts of the world. Matter of fact, when you factor in all the marriages in the world, they say around 60% of those marriages are arranged. And in some places, uh, like India, it can be as high as 90%. Even in the so-called European countries up until the 18th century, marriages were arranged. That is because during those times, marriage was not always about love. Uh, sometimes it was about protection sometimes it was about a business deal sometimes it was about land and it was a merger of sorts your family has something that I need and my family has something that you need so allow us to come together and make this work uh, there are some places you can go uh, one place I read about was uh, the People's Square in Shanghai, China. Uh, if you went there on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, uh, you would wander possibly into what they call the Shanghai marriage market. The parents got here and met to find just the right person for their son or daughter. And they would get together and discuss, this is recent times, age and income 
and education and whether or not they owned a home or not. They were trying to find the, the right person for their marriage. And so they would put all of these stats on a placard and hang them on clotheslines and outside of windows so that people could say, okay, this person has the right stats for my son or daughter, so I'm going to go talk to that person or I'm going to talk to that person's parents. And sometimes they did this with or without the child's permission. The ultimate goal was to broker the marriage. Uh, And it's not just in Asian countries. Uh, We do our own matchmaking now these days in the United States. It's just not as forward. You have certain websites, eHarmony and Black People Meet and uh, Christian Mingle and J-Date and there are certain things where you fill out paperwork and you answer questions in order to come up with the right stats for who is a match for you. There's a story of someone by the name of Lisa Clampett. Lisa Clampett saw a young man in a coffee bar where she was ordering coffee and she introduced herself to this man and they talked for 20 minutes and in that 20 minute conversation he asked her to marry him. She held off. They went on two more dates and after those two more dates they then started sending out wedding invitations. They went on to form a company that was put together in order to make matches. Matchmaking is a billion dollar industry. But the funny thing about matchmaking is, is even though we have placards that we can put out and even though we have websites that we can go to a lot of people still when they want to meet that special someone still need a personal introduction they turn to what you would say actual human beings in order to 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 uh, find their dream partner so even though there are arranged marriages elsewhere in the United States, we still turn to matchmaking in some way, shape, or fashion. And the text that we read today has a mother-in-law being a matchmaker. And I wondered about all this, and I've, I've started to get a better understanding about this whole matchmaking thing because I've learned to appreciate the fact that when you have children the future of your family depends on the well-being of those children. And so you'll see stories not only just about matchmaking, but when a particular child is trying to get into the right college or is trying to go do these different things, they are, the family is depending upon them. That's why the family is so important and when you want to do something against any people, you destroy the family unit. Uh, When there are wars and people want to decimate a country, they decimate that country by destroying the family unit. 
And when you want to take out the family, you start with the man. You remove the man. That is why in certain situations, you can have social services provided for a family. But if that family has a man in the house, they will not be eligible for those social services. Uh, that is why if a family falls upon hard times and they may need to spend some time in, in, in a shelter, they will provide room and board in that shelter for the mother and the children, but they will not provide it for the family. Call me a conspiracy theorist, but I do believe there is an attack on the young black male. It starts as early as three. There's a published report that was put out that indicated that black young men at the age of three and black Latino men, I mean, young Latino men rather, as early as three are being suspended and expelled and sometimes arrested for offenses that they are committing in preschool. And so by the time they get to to elementary school, they've already been kicked out of school several times. And when the elementary school teacher wants to deal with them, I'm not going to deal with that. So I'm going to kick them out, too. And it goes on and on and on. I read another published report that told me that there are just as many young black boys born as young black girls. But by the time they get to 18, there are seven times as many black girls as there are black boys. Mm. Homicide and, and suicide and drug abuse and incarceration and all of these things are designed to knock off the young black man. And the ones that they can't knock off, they feminize. I'm, I'm, I'm in the world but not of the world and so being in the world but not of the world, I listen to a lot of secular music and I have an affinity towards hip-hop. I like a lot of our rappers, and I grew up listening to certain rappers. Uh, Your Ice Cubes and your Easy es and and these kind of people, and those were what you called gangster rappers. Those were the type of people that if they were walking down the street, you would be scared of them because they might hurt you. These days, the quote-unquote gangster rappers wear dresses. Hello, hello, hello. These days, the so-called gangster rappers put on dresses and call it high fashion. They wear women's clothing, gangster rappers, so I'm no longer scared of a gangster rapper coming down the street of hurting me. I'm scared they might want to do something else. Those, there is an attack on the black man. And those are the people that are being hoisted up as role models. When you want to destroy something, you destroy the family. And when you want to destroy the family, you start with the male. And if you remove the male from the process, then the whole thing just tumbles down on its own real easy. To the point that they factor if you are in school as a young black man and you are struggling with math and science and your father is not in the household or you don't have a relationship with your father, they have already calculated your jail cell. That is how these private prison industries know exactly how many people they're going to be able to put in jail and make their profit 
Young black men, by the time they reach seventh grade, struggling in math and science. And you know, it starts as early as three because three, they start putting them in trouble. And then when they start getting in trouble, by the time they reach third grade, they're not able to read on level. And they say, if you can't read on your level by third grade, you'll never catch up. So the educational system has already put them in. So if you want to destroy the family, you start with the men. And if you want to destroy the men, you start by sending the boys off track. We can't just send them away. We can't just send them back home. These are our futures. That is why people get concerned about the family. Because our future depends upon them. I'm here because of what my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents did. The future depended upon me, and that's why I need to impart into not only my son, but as many young men as I possibly can, because our future depends on them. So we have to make sure that they are matched with the right tools for success, not just in relationships, but in training and teaching them how to act and how to conduct themselves and making sure that we may not be able to do something about the father being in the house, but we can do something about the educational part and how they carry themselves and how they operate in this world. We can do something about that. But if you want to destroy a family, if you want to pull an anchor out from the family, you take away the men. And that is what happened in this particular passage of scripture. It's a story about Ruth, but more often, more also is a story about Naomi. It's simple and straightforward. She is forced from the home in Bethlehem because of famine. Naomi and her husband, Imelech, and their two sons settled in the nearby country of Moab, just across from Judah. And while they were there, the boys married local girls but then again after after a certain amount of time about 10 years all the men had died and so that is how Naomi ended up with Ruth and Orpah because they were left without sons and husbands and the time back then was not as good as it was now for women that was the way they earned through the men and so you have essentially taken taken away their ability to provide for themselves. That's why James says in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 26, that true religion, true and undefiled religion is this, is to go forth in the world and take care of the widows and the orphans. Why? Because back then, the widows and the orphans were not able to take care of themselves. They couldn't go out and get jobs. They couldn't go out and do certain things. And so you had to be able to take care of those who were less fortunate than you. That is what pure and undefiled religion was, reaching out to your fellow man. So here you have Ruth and Naomi and Orpah and they are without any support system. Tragedy has struck them through the death of their husbands and sons. Naomi is left vulnerable. She has little chance for a healthy life and the only chance is to move from Moab where she had relocated with her husband 10 years earlier and go back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. She has a family support system there that might be able to take care of them that way. There's a support system there. And we ought not forsake our support system. Our family 
So Naomi sits here and she suggests that her daughter-in-laws do the same, go back to their homeland. Because the normal order of those kind of things is when the husband died and there was nobody else, then that became the brother's responsibility. So she was trying to get them there. But there is no one to provide for any of them. So she told them to go back. And Orpah took the advice. But Ruth, however, did not. Ruth said what we often quote is a famous passage of scripture. She told her mother-in-law, where you go, I will go. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. You know, and see, when we're trying to find out these ways for success, we often talk about being a leader. But what we often forget is that in order to be a leader, sometimes you have to be a follower. You can't teach the class without first being taught. You can't be a sergeant without first being a private. You have to work your way up. We have to be willing to follow. We talk about someone being a real friend for us, someone sticking closer to us than anybody else. But in order for someone else to be a real friend to us, we have to be a real friend to them. The Bible says those who desire friends must first show themselves friendly. So we have Ruth here and Ruth has found her way to Bethlehem and she's working in the wheat field and 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 uh, Boaz has noticed how hard work Ruth is working at this demeaning labor. And through the grapevine, the rumors, the, the rumor mill somehow found out about the story of the loss of her brother-in-law and her husband and everything else and he is impressed that she has chosen to move from her family home and to help take care of her mother-in-law. Ruth is a remarkable woman. Ruth faces this tragedy in the face and instead of sitting down and looking for someone else to help her, she goes to work. We ought to be able to do that sometimes. We ought to be able to get up off of our own hind parts and do something. Tragedy is going to happen in life. Our life will not be one success to another. But when we get those failures... What do we do in response to those failures? I often tell people, especially in different organizations, I don't necessarily care to see what you do when you win the election. I want to see what you do when you lose the election. Do you come back? Do you still work as hard afterwards if you didn't get the title that you wanted? If you didn't get the position that you wanted, are you still down for the cause? Are you still here to do the work or were you just about the title? If you don't get the right title that you want, all of a sudden you get too busy to do things. The time that you would have made for that if you had the title is still there. Whether you got the title or not. And so Boaz watches her do this work and what she's doing is gleaning. She's not allowed to necessarily pick the wheat herself. Uh, so what Boaz does is as the people, the people would glean out there and so they pick up the wheat and put it in their back and as they're moving down the wheat field picking up the wheat and throwing it in the sack on their back, not all of it's going to hit the bag 
So what the gleaners were doing is they would wait for something to drop and they would get a little for themselves. And so what Boaz did is he saw her out there gleaning and he said, hey, that one, that Ruth lady, why don't y'all let a little more fall down out the bag instead? And so Naomi sees this special treatment that Ruth is receiving and Boaz is told his worker to leave plenty of grain in the field. So says she doesn't get what accidentally drops, she gets a little more. And so Naomi puts together a plan because he sees this. He tells her, and Boaz not only tells them that, but Boaz also says to watch Ruth and make sure that she is safe. And see, in order to, I, I like this passage of scripture because in order to be successful, I've learned time and time again that you need a coach, a confidant, and a champion. Everybody I know that has been successful in anything in life has been match made with a coach, a confidant, and a champion. Uh, what, what, did the, what is that saying? Uh, the confidant is somebody who is on your level that you can confide in, somebody that you can share your struggles with. These are people that are going the same direction as you. These are people you can vent to. You have a confidant, and they are your confidant because you can vent to them, and it won't get back to you. I'm going to say that again. It's somebody that you can talk to, and it won't get back to you. I've heard people say all the time, I can keep a secret, but the person I told cannot. Well, if the person you told can't keep a secret, then you can't keep a secret either. But you have a confidant, somebody that you share with in your struggle. And then you have a coach, somebody who is a little further along than you. So Ruth's coach would have been Naomi. This is somebody that can tell you the right plays. The coach doesn't go out on the field all the time, but the coach is able to watch from afar and see what's going on. I've been where you've been. I see where you're going. Allow me to tell you the right way to run so that you can make it. So you get your confidant and you got your coach and then you have your champion. Your champion is somebody else that is way high up and they say, let's give that person a shot. So the champion in this text would have been Boaz. He saw Ruth from afar and said, let's give her a shot. Let's give her something. I can apply it to the job if I'm up for a particular promotion. I have the confidant, the people that I can share with, the person that I can share with about what's going on, and we can strategize and come up with the ways to go, and then I may have a supervisor. And my supervisor is the coach. I see what you're doing. Allow me to give you some guidance. And then I'll have a champion, which is my supervisor, supervisor, or my manager. And my manager says, give Johnny a shot. Let's give Johnny a shot on this project. Let's give Johnny a shot for this promotion. Let's give Johnny a shot at this, this system and see what he does for it. Because if you don't have anybody in the boardroom willing to fight for you, you'll always be in the file room. So a confidant, a coach, and a champion are all needed if you want to do anything successful, be it, be it work, be it personal relationships, be it anything you do for leisure. If there is anything you want to get better at, you need to get with people who are headed the same direction as you, who are doing the same thing that you are doing. And then you need to get with somebody who has done it before and is able to tell you how to do it. And then you need to get with somebody else who is able to call the shot and give you your chance. But when they give you the chance, you need to be prepared. 
because they give you the chance and you're not prepared, you may not see that chance anymore. So this matchmaking for success, you need the confidant, you need the coach, you need the champion. And something else that is noticeable is that Naomi is willing to take a risk for the advancement of the family. Naomi is an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is someone who organizes or operates something, taking on greater than normal risk in order to do so. You don't have to be an owner to be an entrepreneur. You can be an entrepreneur on your day job if you're willing to take a risk. What are you willing to put on the line to accomplish your goals? There's plenty of things that you want to do, but are you willing to sacrifice the time? Are you willing to, to, to develop your talents? And are you willing to sacrifice your treasure? I can say I want to be a great musician, but if I don't spend any time, if I don't put anything on the line, if I don't spend any time practicing, rehearsing, learning the theory, I'll never be a great musician. I can say I want to be a great business person. But if I don't spend the time, if I don't put anything on the line, if I'm not willing to take a risk for advancement, then I'll always keep saying I want to be a business person. You got to be able to take risks. And not only do you take those risks, but you have to be able to protect your reputation. One of the richest men in the world, Warren Buffett, said that it takes years to build a reputation, but only minutes to destroy it. There's always money out there, but where is your reputation at? And if you spend one time chasing after the money and not protecting the other, which is your reputation, pretty soon you'll have no money and a bad reputation. Naomi was willing to take a risk for advancement so if we want to be successful we ought to be able to take a risk not only do we need to be able to take a risk but Naomi gave highly detailed instructions of what to do she had a plan she told him to anoint yourself put on your best garment there was a plan how you present yourself People make, although we try to act like it, there are plenty of studies that indicate otherwise. We make our decisions about people within the first 12 seconds of meeting them. That is why they, they make job interviews be done by committee. So often because that, that leaves that bias out. Someone will in the first 12 seconds have decided whether or not they want to hire this person for the job. How they carry themselves is already decided. And then everything they do after that, the interview can be for 30 minutes. But all they do for the next 29 minutes and 48 seconds is confirm their bias. It's a whole part of our brain that indicates that. It's called the reticular activating system. You ever been in a room and heard the air conditioning and then about 20 minutes into the meeting, you don't hear the air conditioning anymore? It's not that the air conditioning stopped. Your brain has decided to filter it out. And that is what we do when we make our first impressions. We get our first impression and then we spend the rest of the time filtering it out. 
everything out that doesn't confirm our first impression. So she told Ruth to put your best garment on and anoint yourself so that you look good and smell good when you present yourself. If we want to be successful and when it's time to present our plans, when it's time to present our visions, when it's time to put in that work, we need to present our best selves. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And that's not saying that you can't overturn people's assumptions eventually, but it's real hard to do that. Real hard. So she had a plan. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3 that the Lord says to write the vision and make it plain. That the one who reads it the one that they may that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time but in the end it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries wait for it because surely it will come it will not tarry Naomi had a plan for success and she worked that plan it was detailed and that plan was not just executed overnight there was time put in there was time put in between Naomi and Ruth. This wasn't just one night. Ruth didn't just walk up to Boaz and say, give me what I want. Ruth had to work. We ought to work if we want something done. We ought not just walk up to some things we want and say, give me what I want. Work for it. Work for it. You can't just go to the karate class, give the teacher your money and say, now give me my black belt. Even if you get it that way, when it comes time to fight, you might be in a little bit of trouble. (laughs) Work for it. And sometimes that even means doing jobs that you might think are beneath you. I have a cousin in Plano and he and his wife own and operate a few clothing stores. They do pretty well for themselves doing operating these clothing stores. But my cousin, he didn't just decide, I want to operate a clothing store. So I'm going to go out here and buy some, buy a property or lease a building and start selling clothes. That's not what he did. He had a job, a regular corporate job, and he went to his regular corporate job every day. And then he went on nights and weekends and worked in retail, in a retail store for a little bit. And then He moved on from working in a retail store to the manufacturing store. And he learned how to manufacture everything. And then when he found out where the clothes were manufactured, he learned how to manufacture everything. And I remember him telling me some stories about every time he spoke to the owner, because he would ask him, hey, how do you work this machine? And every time he learned how to work a new machine, the owner would get more red-faced than red-faced. He would show him how to operate the machine, but he knew that he was working his way up. And so eventually he worked and and started making his clothes for himself. And then he was able to manufacture his own clothes. And when he was able to manufacture his own clothes, then he opened up his own store. He learned the business. He put in the work. Ruth traveled to where she needed to go to where the money was at and the substance was at. And then she worked there. And then as she worked there, she got to work a little more and work a little more. And that's how she moved up. Have a plan and be willing to work your plan. And not only that, but Ruth was willing to approach Boaz with boldness. She was able to take a risk. Going to the threshing floor was not 
advisable. It was not good for a woman to be out at night at those times because the men in the threshing floor would have been working hard and then they would have been drinking hard after they finished working. That was not necessarily a safe place, but she went with boldness. She went to the threshing floor. In order to get to the next level, Ruth had to go to the threshing floor. The threshing floor is a place of breaking. This, this delicious bread that we eat does not just grow out of the ground like that. It comes from wheat. But the wheat, when it grows, it doesn't grow the way that we want it to grow. The seed has a hard exterior around it. And in order to get that hard exterior off of it, the seed has to go through a bit of violence. Has to go through a process. Some places they whip the, 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 uh, the, the shell off. Other places, they toss it up and let it fall on the ground. Other places, they have oxen walk over the area and they drag a board behind them and it crushes it. It's a process. They had to go to the threshing floor because the harvest season was almost over. And since the harvest season was coming to an end, Ruth and Naomi wouldn't be able to walk behind people trying to pick up the wheat because the wheat would have been all gone. It would have been all picked up. So you have to go to the next level. Living hand to mouth will only get you so far. And eventually you'll have to work a plan and you'll have to work your resources so that you can have more and get more out of your resources. Eventually you're going to have to think about more than tomorrow. You're going to have to elevate your thinking Elevate where you spend your time and elevate who you spend time with. And sometimes that's not always the easy choice. It would have been hard to go to the threshing floor at night knowing what goes on there. But they say, uh, Thomas S. Munson says, life will not always be easy. Life will not always be fair or what we think is fair. You know, I've heard people talk about this recently, what's fair and what's not what's justice and what's not. And I've learned that it's not really justice that they seek. It's not really fairness that they seek. What they want is their own way. And we're calling it justice and we're calling it fair. It's not fair that I can't get everything that I want when I want how I want it. That'll never be fair. That'll just be what you want. But it says that our most significant opportunities will be found in our times of greatest difficulty. Had to go to the threshing floor, had to go through a process. Everything we get goes through a process. Sometimes I wear jewelry and I've understood that the jewelry doesn't just come out of the mind the way it looks. It goes through a process particularly gold and silver. Uh, in order for gold and silver to come to turn into the nice necklaces and bracelets and rings that we wear and earrings, it has to go through a process and that process involves heating it up. And you heat it up until the impurities rise to the top. And when the impurities rise to the top, then they scrape that off. And they scrape all the impurities off. And then you know that the gold and the silver is ready to be used when the maker can look into it and see their face. It's a process. Just like the wheat, when it has to be used, it may be whipped. It may be thrashed. It may be hauled. It may be have everything knocked on. It may be tossed up and down. But when it's through its process, 
what comes out on the outside of, of what, the, what comes on out of the outside of the process is better than it was going in. So in order to get to the next level, we're all going to have to go to our own threshing floor. We're all going to have to go through our own process. And it may sometimes feel like we're being tossed in the air. It may feel like we're having our hard exterior knocked off. It may feel like people are walking all over us. But the process, once done, will come out better than what we were before. Weed in its raw form is not eligible. It goes through a process. And so they looked to Boaz for redemption. Naomi called Boaz her relative, and in some translations it is kinsman. And in some other translations, when you really get down to the Hebrew of it, it's kinsman slash redeemer. Boaz was considered the redeemer. Uh, I only know about another redeemer. I, 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 I let you in on a little secret since I'm going to have to preach 52, 51 times a, a year here. I'll really only have one sermon. It, it really doesn't start matter where I start. You, you will know where I finish. And so we have this threshing floor and we have this redeemer. Uh, 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 the Bible says in Matthew 3, 11 and 12, indeed I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming is mightier, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fan. And a winnowing fan is something that you use in order to whip the wheat and whip the shell off the wheat. But his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out the what? The threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. I only really have one sermon. I keep saying, don't matter where I start, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, no matter where I finish, wherever I start, I'm going to finish with Jesus. So here you have these people going to Bethlehem looking for redemption. I would argue that they might have came a couple generations too early, about 40. They, they, they came a little early looking for the redeemer because there was going to be another redeemer in Bethlehem by the name of Jesus. And you know, threshing floors are often on a hill. And you know what else is on a hill? Calvary, where they took my savior and hung him up between two thieves. Here you have this generation that Boaz worked his way down and then we get to a Joseph and a Mary and that's, that's the generation that it came from the tribe of Judah, that Jesus. See, the Bible is, is, is really a a, a, a report. We look at it as different things, but it's a report. And his thesis statement is Jesus saves. Jesus is the one who came to die for us and can cleanse us of all our sins. And so we have this redeemer in Bethlehem by the name of Boaz, but I know another redeemer from Bethlehem by the name of Jesus. Born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried. And so whosoever shall believe in him shall have everlasting life, but not perish. So you're looking for this redeemer, and you got to put in that work, and you got to get introduced. And see, we're talking about matchmaking for success. Allow me to introduce you and matchmake you with Jesus, the blessed potentate. 
the lily of the valley, the bright morning star, the shepherd of souls, the bishop of Jesus. I love to call him. The more I call him, the better I feel. He died for me and you and you and he took his sins and our, all of our sins and put them on a tree so that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He's our redeemer. He paid the price for our sins. We are redeemed in him. So if you want to get match make for success, I would say match yourself up with Jesus. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.